Friends, welcome back to Operation Opera. Elise and I had a chance to chat and finish up our discussion for the time being with Mark Lamana. This time we discussed the first rehearsal process. Enjoy. So we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to start off today by talking about the first rehearsal process because this was something for me at least, Mark, when we started working that I was like, yes, please. So can you talk a little bit about about what what you like your first rehearsal to be like? Or what you feel it's or what you Yeah. Funny. It's funny. I know I know I know what you're aiming for and yet that very question is like that is exactly that's exactly it. I can't I can't know what I want my first rehearsal to be. The first rehearsal has to be allowed to be. So the first rehearsal, um, I like to meet everybody. And the way I direct anyway is, you know, assuming that everybody's had music rehearsals, of course, I don't start staging. I want to hear everybody sing. I want to hear, because I pick up a lot. I, I pick up people's energies and how they move their bodies. And it's not just visual, it's more energetic. And I hear how they sing and I hear how they don't sing. And I, you know, so I'm getting a feel for the people in the room because it's not like everything is set and it's like, oh, you're character B, so you fit into the B part of this picture, so move to slot B. It's not really like that for me. Stand um, here. Smile. <laughs> right. It's not like that. Yeah. Especially yeah. the last part. Yeah. So the first rehearsal, um, like the Johnny Skiki that we did, no, I ended up loving the cast. Nobody talked. Nobody talked. They all just sat there and stared. And I would say something and somebody would bring up a historical fact. And I was like, okay. So in that <laughs> In that first rehearsal, where I knew that it didn't matter, you know, what year the legal paper should say if we're setting it in 19th. Oh, it's just crazy. It was. No, in fact, I was one of those people. I was like, well, is it the 50s or 60s? I'm like, because, you know, America changed a lot during that time. Like, I had all of these. And you were like, I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, there were there were people going there. It was like, yeah, but you know, is there going to be a TV set on this? And it's just like, just everybody calm, <laughs> Let calm down. So you know, the thing about the first rehearsal, though, that that the commonality is. Oh, oh, and by the way, and we did get everybody up singing, and then people started to relax a little, and then I would make a comment, and then somebody would, you know, and I know the looks. You know, if they look and they go, oh, he's intelligent. 
And then you and da 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 another one goes, oh, he's musical. And then it's just like everybody's fears have to get answered, you know, including mine. Yeah. Will you talk for a second about why you think that that is the dynamic at the beginning of the first rehearsal? Like because what goes into that? For me? Or you mean and, just and like, and what you think what you from your experience what you think is going on with the uh, with the others with the singers and with whoever else is there in the room with you? Well, I like something that Caroline Mace. She's a she's a uh, she's a spiritual healer lady who I just adore. She's she's uh, she says that anytime two people are in the same room, there's going to be some kind of competition on some level until you notice that it's there and address it. So what I think is, what I've come to think, at least with singers, because dancers are a different story and actors now, are a different that, story. It's the, a question. Sorry, sorry, just for clarification. So are you, is that specifically like with performing arts or are you just saying in any situation, would she say that, that there's competition between two people? Any situation. Interesting. You're standing next to somebody at the supermarket and Those, you notice. That's my milk. And, <laughs> that you know, you know, you've got there's you know, this is like you know, this is like, I like that shirt. Why are you wearing that shirt? No, there, there's there's just often mm. competition, and so in things that we're all passionate about or just simply love, uh, we have something to say about it, mm. and we love to hear good things said about. I mean, we love to hear things that support the way we see and think about say opera and singing um and conversely since everything has its opposite we also are wary of people that are going to be thinking in ways that we're like oh my god i am not i don't think that at all that is not where we're going or that's not what i believe so you've got people that have learned to score spent a lot of time with it and they don't know the quality of the other people. They don't know if they're singing with musicians that they're going to like or people that they find attractive as people, you know? And so everybody's feeling everything out and we're sitting there with a bundle of nerves and the nerves are also good. It's like one of my acting teachers said, whenever you feel those kind of nerves, assume it's performing energy. Just go with it. It's got some adrenaline in it. Go with it. Use it. Mm. See the joy of what you're going after right now and trust that if you're here, just be here and stop judging everything. So after everybody starts singing a little bit and somebody likes the tone of your voice and somebody likes the way you sang that phrase and somebody likes that you sang that you know, dotted 64th, exactly the right length. And so they have a new respect for you and then <laughs> like blonde hair. And then they're grateful that you're shorter than them because they're supposed to feel tall, even though they don't. So there's all this stuff going on. So first rehearsals, um, I say, give yourself a huge grain of salt and assume that everyone is just as nervous as you are. And like, if somebody wants to say, well, you have nothing to be nervous about. You're the director. It's like, okay, I have 12 people or 20 people staring at me, acting like I should have the answer and probably don't prove it. And so you have to like, okay, <laughs> so proving 
and you have to just let it go by, you know, it's like, you know, just letting it go by. What, what part of that, Mark, what part of that do you think has to do with, like, because that's actually interesting. I've had that experience, not with directors, because I really do have a lot of faith in directors. Um, uh, but with like a yoga teacher, when I go to a new yoga class, it's like, okay, let's see what you've got. You know, I kind of expect this person to to prove themselves to me on a certain level. But where do you think that comes from in at the first rehearsal from these singers? Why do you think why do you think they expect you to have all the answers and and then also question that maybe you might not have all the answers? Where do you think that pressure comes from? Why why do you think they they put that on you? Uh <laughs> look at look. Well, okay. Um let's see. Hmm. You're the because you're the mastermind kind of as the director, you kind of have to have to put it all together in a way that is meaningful, right? A way that's going to read to an audience as a, a meaningful excerpt of the human experience, right? You're you're the one who has to synthesize everything. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No pressure. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I respect you for that, but I wouldn't go to you and be like, "Well, is he going to do a good job or not?" Because I know I couldn't do that. You know what I mean? I bring my part. Alyssa, I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's it's necessarily conscious. I don't, and I like I I can have like I I can go see something and have a very open opinion, you know, like open minded about what I'm going to see and take in. I don't really think whenever I say see, I think of it visually. I tend to take things in, you know, that's how I experience things. And it's like once the piece gets going and you, you know, you, you sense where the people involved are intelligent and you, you sense that there's care in this. And so like as an audience member, I start to relax knowing I'm in good hands. And actually the way, what your question initially brought to mind that I pushed aside for a moment is it's more like when I'm coaching a singer and they're afraid to go where the material actually takes them. Hmm. They want to go somewhere deep, but then as it's taking them somewhere, they're like, yeah, but I want to go deep, but it's not necessarily where it's taking me. And my sort of go-to idea is, you know, if I'm going to go on a hike in the Amazon, mm. I want a guide that really knows the territory. I don't want somebody to go, well, I think this is the best way. I want them to say, this is the best way that I know. And you go, okay, I trust that. So if an audience is going to go with a singer, which they do hook, line, and singer, uh, and, and, and hook, line, and sinker, not hook, line, and singer, um, <laughs> They will follow you anywhere, but you have to go first. If you go first, they will follow. And in the same way, mm -hmm. I will go where the material's taking me and sort of start instilling that. That gives that gives people permission to go as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain amount of trust that has to happen for that to happen. And you just don't walk into a group of people and say, you know, hi, trust me. Ah, because that's just, that's just crazy. Because you, you have, have to build have, it. Yeah. You have to build it. Even if it takes just a couple of days yeah. or, 
you know, some some singers are, you know, as they start to feel more comfortable, they start letting more through. Their singing gets better and they're expressing more and their bodies are relaxing. And then, you know, I'm a big affirmer. I just do it naturally. But I mean, I'll look and say, yeah, whatever you just did there. Yes. Like, yes. And they start getting a sense of, oh, I went there and you're saying you like what you saw. Oh, hopefully that means they can go more often and to, you know, to bring it out. Right. To be honest about a characterization choice that they've made and, and be willing to actually go there. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say I'm definitely one of those singers that's like, what do you know? Like I'm, I'm hopefully in a, in a loving way, but like, I like when it comes to trust, I'm definitely someone who, when I first walk in, it's like, I will, I will give you a lot of energy, but I will also like hold back a little bit and see what you're going to give to me. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry. To be perfectly honest. And I'm, I'm laughing because, because boy, did I get that from you. You were like, you were like, you were like, prove it. Yeah, that's I know. I'm so sorry. It's terrible. Oh my God. (laughs) And then, then once we started working, we started to really just have an, an enormous amount of fun. But at first, I was like, "Oh my is she, god, is she going to be one of these? Oh man, is she going to be one of these? Yep, I know, I know, and I know it's something that that's a it's a struggle because because I personally, and here's Rachel being a little vulnerable, like I personally, <laughs> um, I love, love, love to be open with people. But I also am so sensitive that if I open myself up too quickly, it's very easy for me to then either attach too much or become too invested or um, I find myself like I've had some voice teachers where it was like, okay, I'm just going to go all in and then like stuff happens with the voice that's not awesome and then I get really mad like the redhead comes out and I'm just like (laughs) you know I don't do that to anyone it's like to myself um but um but it's interesting because without the investment right if we don't make that investment you don't get any kind of result that is anywhere near what you're capable of right like and 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 in the development of that relationship like and and this is why like this is why Mark I was like I love you <laughs> like because when we started working I was like yes someone who is not afraid to actually say what you feel and to actually feel it fully instead of being mm. like you know well I'm the director and this is what I have to say you know <laughs> and like because I just I can't with that because I'm like but that's not real that's not true and so then I shut down because if you aren't going to be honest mm. with me, that doesn't give me permission to then be honest with you. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, so right. yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Mm. The energy that you were saying, you're like, oh man, what's this girl going to be like? I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, the other thing, the other, the other thing that happened, and you were fine. I mean, you were fine. It was just, you know, those were, I'm just like rather than talking about the actual thing it's like we actually experienced, we actually experienced it yeah that's right um but no i i i i think of myself as like an actor's director i mean i'm i'm uh i i i'm not the guy to come up with you know a whole new way to present opera 
it's um, it's uh, I, I tend to strip everything away and get down to the deeply human. And once I find that in my it's in myself, you know. Um, if I'm doing Traviata, I have to find everything about Violetta and Alfredo and Germain and Flora. And if it does, if I can't find it in myself, then I can't expect anyone else to find it either. And I, I, I tend not to ask anybody to do anything that I can't do myself. And I don't mean that like, I can't sing the way you do. And I certainly don't have the same range. I don't mean it, you know, that nitpicky, but if, uh, I wouldn't ask somebody to express something that I wouldn't be comfortable expressing myself. Or if I can feel how, how, how much effort it's taking to be that honest, then that rehearsal on that scene is going to take in that this is going to go slower than the party scene, let's say. Does that make sense? Uh, did that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For instance, when I did Traviata, maybe right. that's because I've seen in the beginning. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the party, the party scene. We didn't do music for the party scene when I first rehearsed it. We just got to know each other, and as we got to know each other, people were actually talking to each other. And by the time it was on stage, people were like, "Oh my God, I felt like I was at a party." And it's like, great, because that's what it was supposed Ew. to. <laughs> right. Is. It, Instead it, of chorus members kind of like doing the faker thing where they're like right. fake talking, watermelon, 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 and then people tend to pet each other a lot because every person. Oh you my meet, gosh, you, what is it with the you, petting? It's like nobody touches you like that. Like, like, petting and everybody clinks, and I love it. My my favorite is when both people are miming talking to each other at the same time. You know that that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Since uh, when I did when I did this Traviata with my wonderful friend Courtney Huffman playing Violetta, um, we had four hours to stage a Dio. Four hours. I took four hours, and Christoph Vandersveer was the conductor, and uh, he was working on parts. And he said, "You just do the rehearsal." Well, Courtney needed to find things and cry, and I was crying with her, and and kept working it through the song and working it through the song and working it through the song. And once, once she actually had the fullness of the condition, then the question came up, how am I going to sing this without crying on stage? And it's like, well, and then, you know, you pull out, I wouldn't call it a bag of tricks, but it's um, different little technique ideas acting technique ideas like uh there are situations in life where you don't have time to cry and get your point across at the same time you don't have the time you have to just do it and so i i suggested a time limit i said how about if you're talking to god and you know you don't have much energy left and you need to talk for your thinking like I need to talk for a minute. Right. And I'm going to use all that energy and make sure I get to the end of everything that I need to say and then I can cry if I want to. And by aiming through the song she didn't cry on stage, but she was brimming with the condition and by the time she finished it the audience was crying. 
Yeah, you give it to them. Right? Yeah. You, yeah. you set it up, and then they take it from you. Right? And then they take it home with them, sort of thing. Yeah. And I certainly That's... don't mean that somebody can't cry on stage. I'm not one of those people that says that if you're crying, the audience can't. It's where and when. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I recently but... heard a recording of a, um, of a Violeta and something that I loved about it, and I'll actually talk about it in my newsletter later, but something that I loved about it was that at the end, usually at the end of Adio, like they'll, they'll kind of, you know, float that last note and it's really beautiful. And in some ways it's kind of sad, but instead it was very declarative. And I loved that choice because it was like, this is it, right? Mm -hmm. This is all that mm -hmm. I have. And that's the end. Mm -hmm. And I love, mm -hmm. I love it when, when you can make a bold decision as a performer because it suits the character to do so, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is such an interesting discussion. Sorry, did you want to add something to that, Mark? Oh, no, no, no. Go, <clears throat> no, go ahead, please. Um, I was just going to say I had a similar experience with um, with seeing Suor Angelica, which um, the um, the scene with Fizia Principessa when she's told, um, oh, your child? Oh, yeah, he died. And, you know, we didn't we didn't think to tell you because you mean nothing to us, essentially. And um, here she's been away from her her son for however many years, you know, living in a convent. And um, <clears throat> I had the same experience where I just couldn't it was so dreadful. I just couldn't I couldn't sing that part. And, and the aria, too, same, you know, where she's talking to to the child um, who's not there, you know, who's in heaven already. Um, and, uh, but I did actually have someone tell me you, if you're crying, the, then the audience can't, if you're feeling all the motion, the emotion, then the audience can't feel that emotion. Um, and it's something that I feel like I, I wasn't able to understand or work through or resolve completely during that show. Um, this was over a decade ago at this point, but, um, I don't know, maybe you can, can you talk a little bit more about, I, I don't know, I mean, you, what you offered was really helpful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what you're saying, you said you wouldn't say that if you're feeling the emotions, they can't, but it's about the timing. Okay, sure. Um, boy, I'd love to see you play Swar Angelica. Mm. <laughs> I bet you were doing No, I, I bet you. you that's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, I went to the Terry Schreiber studio in New York and studied with some wonderful people, one of whom was Carol Fox Prescott. And she taught us to, um, to seek the joy in our experience when we were on stage. The idea was take a breath, let your sound out at the top of your exhalation and seek the joy of your experience, which is why I think the kind of work I do works so well with singers because you take a breath and you sing from the top of your exhalation, right? And the idea was to follow your impulses and let things through as, as, you, as you're going. Uh, so like, you know, I could cry in the middle of a scene or someone else could cry in the middle of the scene, but the work wasn't about let's get to the crying and then sit in the crying as though mm. it's people that are crying as they're talking to another human being, 
they usually are moving through it. Right. In it's some... part of it. That's just, but it's only part of it. It's it's. So, as an audience member, when you're when you're in the presence of somebody that is working something through, you're feeling a lot more than than. And I put this in quotes because it's it's radio. Just wait. I lost my train of thought. Ah. Wallowing. Or no. Sitting in it. No. no I, I don't. I don't use that word. No. Um, it's different than just observing somebody crying. Oh. It's you're experiencing, you're experiencing their need for what they're really seeking, whether it's um, mm. to feel relief. You're feeling their need for yearning. Relief. Yeah, mm. and 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 in this acting term, it was like you're feeling them seeking the joy of what they're trying to get to, <sighs> and so see now. Process, so, process, process, yeah. process. <laughs> so, there's a process going on and the and the actor singer is moving through it. The audience is feeling the whole process. It can't be just broken down to the technical, well, when they cried, were we able to cry or should they not cry so that we do cry? Those are like two different schools oh, beautiful. of thought. There was a school of thought that would say, if you want the audience to cry, you can't. But for like Adio with Courtney, who, by the way, she was brilliant. She was just, she's just delicious and wonderful and, um, and a dear, dear friend. Um, I'm just saying that. Hi, Courtney. Um, <laughs> it, Hi, wasn't, it wasn't that it would have been terrible if she cried on stage. But it's different if you're doing a monologue, an unsung monologue, because you sort of get to pick rhythms, you get to pick moments to pause, you get to yeah. take 10 seconds and let something through, and that becomes part of it. You're singing music and you've got to sing something pianissimo and that interval is a killer. You can't do both of those necessarily at the same time. Sometimes mm -hmm. it happens, but I'm saying we wouldn't plan on now, you know, when you sing the G begin to cry. And then as you, as you go to the B flat, let the cry, we, we can't do that. That would be insane. So mm -hmm. the idea was if, if she started to need to cry really badly, what can she do? You would do on stage in front of people, what a real person would do who didn't want to let other people see them cry. Right. They would put all of that energy into those notes and finish saying that thing to God so that now that I'm finished, my next breath, yeah. I can start bawling my eyes out. Or maybe if there's no time for that, can just relax and let some of it through and move on to the next moment. Hmm. In other words, right. give the character the same boundary Give yourself a give yourself a boundary that your character would give themselves as a way to get through. Like for Soir Angelica, not letting people see how she really feels is such a strong part of that character. For sure. But it's a yeah. hard choice to play. It's a hard choice when you're holding back a lot of grief. Right. And anger too at the at the end, right? 
but just also just incredulous at what is happening in your life and so destroyed by this news and yeah, tons going on. Very emotional, <laughs> very emotional. It's, uh, I think there, there's a reason Beverly still said she only sang it once. Right. She, it was too much to, she, she, she was grateful and she didn't ever want to do it again. At least that's what I've read. Yeah. I have a, a conductor friend who says he'll, he'll never conduct it, unfortunately, just because it tears him apart too much. Oh. So he's like, I love Puccini. I love the music. I will not conduct that opera. Hmm. So it's so sad. And it's so sad. I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's so tough because it's, it's an incredible piece. Like, I think it really was his favorite. And you can hear it, you know, you can hear it in the way, especially I think in the choral writing, like there's this sense of, of, um, of true community, uh, you know, among, among these sisters. And it's just, it's a, just a really unique piece, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. What were you, you started to, I just agreed. Yes. Oh. See, Star Angelica, I would do again in a heartbeat. Carmen, I don't think I have a I don't think I have a Carmen in me. I did the tragedy La Tragedie de Carmen. It took so much out of me. It took it took me like a couple of months to like get myself back. It's just it's wow. dark way. It's dark in a way that just didn't feel any kind of Cumulative. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to see Carmen, but I'm there for three hours and then it's done. And however it reverberates, it does. But like living with it for three months and then going through three months of rehearsal and performance and stuff, it's it's a lot to take on. Whereas Swar Angelica, I could do, I could do that more readily. Yeah, it's smaller. It's shorter. <laughs> well, Carmen's an even though it's so one. emotional yeah Carmen's an interesting one though too because it really is kind of a marathon in the sense that like you go through so much and the singing is so raw right like both Don Jose and Carmen you know kind of have to just put everything out there all the time oh yeah it's and, very raw for yeah. sure and I think it's uh I think that's exhausting for for them, but also for anyone who's directing them, because you, if you're going to have to go there, it's like, you're going to be wrecked, <laughs> like, by the end of it, like, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, like, like, I certainly don't think Angelica is a day at the beach. Um, it's that, <laughs> it's that there's such, and, and I'm speaking for myself, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 you know, I don't, nobody has to agree with me. Um, for me, um, the characters are so there's such a humanity in them. There's such a they're they're so humane. There 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 are so many people choosing to be humane, and especially the main character. And of course, like when we did it, Rachel, it's like I kept you know wanting more of that from the zealotrice and from the from the mother abbess and from you know you know little Dulcina with the with the currents. It's like that stuff is very human and, and, and I love it. Whereas like, I'm not, I'm not somebody that could like direct a, a mafia show. I just, I, I, there's, there's, there's no humanity for me to, um, mm. um, latch on to. 
latch on to or, or, or connect with or stay with. It's not something that's going to feed me at night. It's more like I'm going to feed it. Mm. Um, it's sort of, sort of a parasite. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. A vampire sucking your blood. You know, that's interesting, actually. I, for the same reason, I, there are certain shows that, you know, everyone raves about or has raved in the past that I could not watch. Like, I couldn't watch um, The Sopranos. I couldn't watch, uh, what's the one about the meth guy? I can't remember. Breaking Uh, Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad. So I can't even remember the name of it. Um, like these shows that, out. like I've I've seen bits and pieces of because as an actor, I think you need to see bits and pieces of them, right? Like you watch certain scenes and you're like, yes, that's incredible. Like I really love you know the dynamic that they have and you know this you know I mean there are certain th- things that become iconic um, over time, but but sitting down and watching it. Like watching Don Draper like ruin his life and like sleep with all these women, I'm like, just it's not for me. It's just not for me. Like I just, yeah, you know, I I have to know that that there's something that's worth fighting for. And I think so often in in a lot of these shows, you don't have that, right? Like if it's, it doesn't have to be that way in a tragedy, but. Um, but I think very often, especially sort of in the, the climate in which we live, and I think it's shifting a little bit now um, with some media. But but yeah, that sense of like, oh, we're just going to go to the dark. And it's like, well, why not enjoy some of the light, too? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I just. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do admit, I, I you know, I, I hear what you're saying completely. And, and that's, that's why it's, it's like, it's like a smorgasbord, you know, you get to take what you like and leave the rest. And, and sometimes it's like one of my favorite TV series of all time is sex in the city. And I love the show. And then I hate the show. And then I watch the show and it'll go through all the episodes. And a few years later, it's like, Oh, what's on? It's like, Oh, let's watch sex in the city and start from the beginning. And it's like, and suddenly I dislike the very same things I liked before. Like gone from, aren't they all fabulous to, oh my God, they're the most selfish people that have ever lived. And it shifts it, you know, so I go back and forth and it's like, so sometimes it's like, wow, this is giving me so much energy and it's just, oh, it's so full of life. And other times it's like, oh, get over yourself. And is there something else? on? So I can't even be black and white about one thing. It's, it's <laughs> times and seasons, right? Like maybe something speaks to us at a certain time because of our own experience. And so we love it. And then you come back to it and you're like, Oh no, there are certain things that I feel like will always sort of like uh, the, the test of time will, will prove in favor of it. Like, like a film like Goonies. I don't know if other people feel this way. But I feel yes. Really the princess like bride the also princess bride. These are classics. Yeah. Back to the future. <laughs> oh, back to um, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. right. <laughs> All... okay. I have a burning question for Mark. Do it. Going going back to the the opera rehearsal process. I'm so interested to know about this four hours to stage a deal. Um, mm. so I I want to know what you think about. Um, So I just had this really unpleasant experience with an opera company that shall remain nameless um, in which they were really trying to keep the opera to a certain um, length. And so they had made cuts, which I've I've gotten a 
a majority opinion from many conductors that they were quite atrocious, um, but they wanted to keep it down. And they also had an attitude toward rehearsals that, um, that there was just no time to waste. And there was very little time for rehearsal and short rehearsal periods. And, um, I'm wondering if you if you could weigh in on that. Have you had an experience where um, where you were required to work within serious time constraints, and how did that affect your process in connecting with the artists and sort of getting the getting the finished product that you desired, or you know, you know what I mean? Did it hamper that, or sure? Well, a couple things before. A couple things that go with that. Um, going back to a Dio for just a moment. Actually, the reason I brought a Dio up was because no other scene in the show would have gotten four hours. It was more like right. I, knew, I knew that this was going to need something special. So it was like I asked the singer, asked Kristoff. It's like, do you think we could have one rehearsal? Can we? So that if we need that amount of time, we can at least say we ended up really giving it its all and it ended up grounding the rest of the show for the three of us. Okay. Mm. Then say sometimes in, 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 in the, the way we put shows on these days, it's, it's sometimes a short rehearsal, an impossibly short rehearsal period. You know, and it, it's it's terribly pressuring on everybody. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting it done. I mean, just literally getting the whole thing staged. I don't, mean, I don't mean just blocked. I mean staged. Well, like this summer, we did Il Tabaro and Suar Angelica, and we had two weeks of rehearsal, and then the second day of the third week, we were in tech. I mean, it was just huge and very fast um and as wonderful as the shows turned out there's no way you can i could know if we had had two more weeks of rehearsal all that incredible work that everybody did sure. and deepened so mm. you know it's like you can't cram a process but sometimes you do have to work and be efficient you yes. know um, but what, so what was, now that I've said that, what was the rest of that question, Alyssa? So, well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, I, well, yes, you're, so you're saying that, yes, time limitations are sometimes unavoidable. Um, but I'm just wondering how that being efficient is one thing, but taking four hours to stage that one scene, Adio del Passato, that that affords you the ability to do something else right not to be efficient necessarily and where do you where do you kind of try because of course you know being efficient is is smart like you can't always be indulgent about everything right and i understand that i'm a fairly efficient person myself most of the time but when it comes to a creative art form when you really want to be able to dive in and explore and and follow that path where it's leading you and then suddenly it's like, ding, sorry, your time's up. What, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Can you kind of do the, instead of the scuba dive, you just do like some snorkeling and, you know, wherever holding your breath can take you underwater. Oh, does that make sense? It does make sense. It does. I, I feel your frustration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm sensing um, something. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I'm somebody that loves loves to feel. I, I love to feel time stop. I love to feel so involved in something that it feels like an hour went by and it was really six. Uh, you know, whether it's out dancing or 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 working on a score in the living room and realizing, oh, I didn't eat. And oh my God, it's nine o'clock. Where did the day go? I love that kind of thing, but I'm very aware that, you know, of course you can't you can't always you can't always have that. So what I guess what I do is when there is a lengthy enough period of time, do the work. I mean, I'm all, there's always a part of me that's, that's being efficient. It's like, you know, knowing that at the end of the hour, we need to get to this point at least and hopefully get there. If there's a lot of time, it just, you leave more time for each section. If there isn't time, you shorten the time and God, I'm not really saying anything, am I? It's like, <laughs> it's like using your diving. It's like using your diving. It's more like instead of thinking of a long rehearsal period as being, okay, we we went we went deep for a long time. And if we have a short period, we're just skimming the surface. It's more like maybe if there's a long period of time we're underwater and we're really noticing everything and we're looking mm. at the fish and we're noticing the color of the water and we can, we're noticing the texture of the coral and we're taking it all in and we're also taking in our buoyancy. Okay, that's the long version. The short version is let's take one deep dive. Oh, look, there's so a we fish. Yeah. In there and go, wow, look, yeah, look at the fish. Oh, the coral. Oh, I wish I could stay down here. And then surface, mm. try to bring as much of that as possible. Okay. Well, let me, let me say this, because I think, I think maybe what I'm trying to get at is becoming clearer in my own mind, which is I, I, so I had this experience with this opera company and it was very clearly one where they were concerned about budget. They were concerned about time. They weren't, they didn't seem to be as concerned about <laughs> creative considerations or the collaborative spirit. And of course, that's what I sensed because I only was there for a couple of days. Um, and I'm sure that it became, it, they warmed up to each other after that first rehearsal, you know, and the, like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast. Um, but I, I actually, so the show happened a couple weeks ago now, um, the show that I was supposed to be in and I looked up reviews because I was curious, like, what do people say about this? And do you know what the reviews were? The only reviews I could find were the most superficial, uninformative, stupid things I have ever read in my life. It was like, this person played this part really well. And this person did a good job at that. And I was like, what, this isn't even a review. And of course it's not, it wasn't in, in New York, you know, it wasn't reviewed by any major newspapers or publications. But I just thought to myself, is this kind of what happens? Like we, we try to put on this super economic um, production. And then what we end up with is just sort of scratching the surface of something that could have been meaningful, but ended up just being a, a big nothing. Well, I, I'm sorry you had such a terrible experience. I really am. <laughs> no, you. I really am. I, 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 um, 
I, I, I think, um, I think you do the best you can with what you have. And time is one of those things that sometimes we have a lot of it and sometimes we don't. Um, uh, you know, some of the best experiences I ever had were in summer stock doing musical theater. You had, you know, sometimes you had six days from the first rehearsal to the, to, to tech rehearsal. And then you'd, you'd open it on the seventh and run it for a week. And while that show was being run, you started rehearsal that morning for the next show. And so, you know, were they as good as they could be? I don't think so. But when you, you know, sometimes they had a, a tremendous caliber of people, you know, mm. a terrific music director and a terrific director and a choreographer who was terrific and, you know, leads that were you know at the top of their game and everybody's coming in and doing the most work you can do within a week bringing the preparation that you brought but the audiences are also they're not expecting they're not expecting a show that looks like it's been sitting in the theater for six months and everybody's you know like it's running like clockwork I, I think that that's a really that's a really important distinction to make too that you can get an incredible product that has a lot of life and energy in it it won't have that kind of settled feeling but if you yourself and colleagues you know have had to put their time in and you've had to work really a lot on their own before they come into the rehearsal process like you know you're talking about you know, you know, giving a really long amount of time that you could for, you know, for Traviata for that scene. I feel like that had, in order to get to that place of knowing that you needed that much time, you yourself had to spend at least that much time, if not two or three times that much time, figuring out like, oh, I'm going to need this in order to get out of this person or of this situation what I need to get out of it. Like... The, the amount of sort of, you know, in the background work that, that goes into it is usually two to three times what you're doing, you know, when you get in front of other people. And I think that it's very, and it's, and it's hard, right? Because, um, yeah, it's just hard. I don't, I don't really know what the point of me saying that was. Um, <laughs> but... No, I mean, that's, it. yeah, a, a lot of, Yes, so there's time together, the rehearsal period, and then there's the time that was spent before coming together that's really integral to the process. I think I understand what you're saying, Rachel. Okay. You're saying you do homework. And, and for Mark, as the director, he's done, he did enough homework on, on that scene, Adio del Passato, that he was like, okay, if we could spend more time, wait, why are you laughing? Oh, if no, we no, could no. spend more time with this scene, then it would be the anchor for the show. Like podcast is like the four hour Adio. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> struck me as funny i'm yeah. listening to you I'm, I'm hearing you yeah that's true we well, yeah no yes it's a good yeah example. go ahead rachel i was just gonna say it's a really good example of like you know what does it really take to put in the time like what is it what do you really need for for anything that you're doing like i did a show uh i did a show with a company in la and we had i think we had a week of rehearsal and so basically, like, you just had to have it together or else you're totally screwed because you don't have time. And 
And so, you know, I came in with sort of my own ideas about stuff and like, this is what I'm thinking. But I think that, you know, that first rehearsal is its own thing. Like first rehearsals are always about getting to know each other, getting to know what you want to do, like, you know, sort of feeling out, um, you know, where things are. But, you know, when you only have a week to put a show on, um, everything, like you have to have a lot of your choices already made. Um, And at least, I mean, you need to have a fluidity with that, right? Like there has to be room for a director to come in and say, hey, how about this instead? And then you say, yes. (laughs) But but coming in with a lot of characterization ideas and and choices, I think will just, you know, make it, make it a stronger thing and also make you feel more comfortable. Come together faster. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah. I want to add one thing. Um, at the risk of being ad nauseum, I want to um, that that rehearsal. I I, I just um, there's something you said, Alyssa, about like uh, about knowing that I needed to get that out of the uh, out of the song. It it was it was more than that. Like like um, uh, and maybe it was because. Courtney was a good friend and we had wanted to work together and, you know, there was something I wanted to give to her. And it was like that gift, that time that we had, it was, it, it was a conscious choice to swim slowly in the water, to see what the water was, to really get a sense of it. I don't want to say that like I had that rehearsal because I needed to pull something out or I needed something to be there Sometimes, sometimes in a scene, there is something that needs to be there and you do need to work until it's there. And sometimes it's like, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I would turn like over the summer, I would turn to Christoph and say, you know, if we had an extra hour, it would be so wonderful so that such and such a singer would be able to have a little bit more time to explore da 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 because she's doing so beautifully with it and if she had a little time with us that was just her it might just really open something up for her that would be lovely now is that something Mm -hmm. i need well it'd be it'd be lovely is it something the show needs well the show could probably do without it but the show would be so much more beautiful if that was there but there's not do you get what i'm saying it's not yeah it's it's a but it's a potential that you see for her. And this is why we collaborate, right? Is so that you can go to her and say, you're doing such a beautiful job. I would love for you to explore this direction. And you give her an opportunity and the time to do that. And then she grows and she's grateful to you for what you brought to her. You know, that's why, that's why it's a collaborative art form is because she didn't have everything. I mean, she had a lot and it could have, the show could have gone on without your suggestions, but there is a reason why you were there working with her so that you could observe her and say, oh, wow, she's doing so beautifully, but there's tremendous potential in this one area that I see. And I'd like to mention that to her so that she has the option of exploring that further. And it deepens it. It deepens the whole thing. Yes. There's this, there's this uh, practice that I have. Uh, it's, um, I, I write about three hours a day and, and it's, 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 um, well, I don't, I don't want to label it, but it's like it's proprioceptive writing, and what that is is yes, do a, define. 
Well, I've learned over the years and from a wonderful book about proprioceptive writing, which is what got me started with it, which is to say, like, when you notice yourself writing something, and it also goes with talking, you notice you say something about something, like, uh, I'm now, now I'm going to give an example and I can't even think of something. If you say, um, such and such happened and I was really sad about it. And then you move on to the next sentence and you say, stop. So you go, such and such happened and I feel really sad about it. What do I mean by sad? By sad, I mean, and then you go, and you go, you go, you go further. And then another word jumps out at you and go, what do I mean by desperate? And that takes you, in other words, instead of just sort of blanketly pushing out a feeling and going, I feel this as though it's a noun, you go, wait a second, let's take the lid off that and dive into that, into that thing. And I think that acting is the same way. And acting in song is the same way. So when you, uh, get, a, when you get an emotion that comes up, like, you know, like you were saying, sad or desperate, it's like when you define that, then that's sort of what gives you color or flavor or, you know, uh, variety. Yeah. So if there's time and you're able to say, let's sit with that, you know, uh, breathe with it, see what comes up, see what's there. And so when there is the luxury of time and you can explore uh, and you can do that at home, too. It's not the only place, but I mean, it's a great place to do it is right at the piano. If you spend time with that, um, it's like anything else. You get better at it. You get better at being able to feel nuances of things in front of other people. And you, you get better at feeling the nuances when it isn't packaged yet mm. it hasn't merged with the music completely yet yeah more layers yeah and then again you have to be able to work with people that you know you can't do that with somebody that doesn't want to work that way i mean you can't you know there's different ways of working and people have different sure. strengths yeah. and people have different limitations i have my limitations too um but this is what you know this, this kind of work is the thing that i really just love is is when somebody's really connected to uh they've connected to something that's more full inside no i don't it, it it's not the comparisons it's not saying i want you to go deeper i want you to go bigger it's saying when you feel like when i feel that there's a lot going on with somebody but they're only letting a little bit of it through I want to be able to give them the permission to allow themselves to drop in so that more of it can come through. They enjoy what they're sharing so much more. And we are and we, and we who are listening receive more And it. it mm. it's sharing. Um, that's really the biggest part of, you know, the time element that, that really helps, you know, yeah. like, summer at AVA watching so many young singers just come alive. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. I go home at the end of the day and I just feel so gratified to be a human being. Yeah. People give themselves permission to not. Right. Right. 
yeah, there really isn't much that's more satisfying, I think, than watching people actually embrace the possibility of not just a character, but of themselves within a character. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. And and that again that you know this is my drum that i beat constantly is like that that uniqueness that sense of like this is who you are and this is who you are as this character in this moment because it's going to be different right it's going to be different than um than even what it might be tomorrow and it needs to be because that's what it is to be alive oh i i agree with you completely absolutely yeah. i mean you know acting is acting has lots of skills in it you know you have to have skills in order to do it but you have those skills so that you're able to show up and be in these imaginary circumstance you know imaginary circumstances in a particular time period with lots of limitations and how would you act you know uh, if you lost your child and you were forced to go to a convent and you had to make a choice to stay there, and these were your circumstances, if you put yourself in those circumstances, how would I behave? And then you, you're given lines and music, so it's like you have to conform to the script, of course, but you get to explore lots of different lives. I mean, what would it be like? What would that be like? What would that be like? I think that's just endlessly fascinating. Agreed. Ah, I love it. I, I really hope that I get to work with you someday, Mark. I would love to have you as my director and to experience what that's like. I mean, Rachel had such a positive experience. And uh, and just speaking with you, I I love the I love the, the work that you've done and the way that your mind works. I think it's all pretty fabulous. Hmm. So thank, well, thank you. And thank it's you for sharing it with us. Fine. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, this, this conversation, I think we will continue in different ways and, and we'll see. Like, but, um, fine. but thank you. You can come hang out in New Zealand for a little bit. That would be fine. Oh, that sounds nice too. Doesn't it? Really fun talking to both of you. And thank you so much for this. And, and I look forward to next time. And thank yeah. you, Mark. You're welcome. Keep, keep being your awesome self. The world is better for having you in it. Amen. Oh no, what to say to that? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say thank you. I'll just say thank you. You're very kind. Thank you. Just keep doing your thing. That's all you got to do, and that's thanks enough. Love you guys. Okay. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 <laughs>